welcome to Parkview on the Go. My name is Nathan, and I'm one of the pastors around here. If this is your first time, let me tell you about our online community. At Parkview, you won't find any super Christians who pretend to have life all figured out. Well, I hope you don't find anyone like that. Instead, you'll find real, loving, compassionate people who are helping each other become more like Jesus every day. So if that's the kind of community you want to be a part of, I am so glad you're here. And if you are newer to Parkview, maybe a friend invited you to check it out, or you found one of our online services on YouTube or whatever, and you're curious to know more about who we are as a church, I want to invite you to check out something called A Closer Look at Parkview. It's a chance for you to hear from Pastor Tim, our senior leader, and our executive pastor, Bill Brown, as they talk about the journey God is taking Parkview on and how you can be a part of it. It can be found at parkviewchurch.com slash closer look, parkviewchurch.com slash closer look. Thanks again for spending time with us today as Pastor Tim finishes up our Psalm 23 teaching series called The Greatest of All Time. Enjoy the service. Hey, welcome, Parkview. Uh, let me start by uh, updating you on what we're trying to do. I know many of you are watching from other areas of the country, but our country, our part of the country has seen a, a surge lately. I think maybe the whole world has as well, but um, I just want to tell you what we're doing and what we're trying to do, okay? This thing, you know, kind of went from uh, I know somebody who knows somebody who was infected to I know somebody who is infected or I am infected. This thing has gone from, well, I know people who are infected and it didn't really, it wasn't really that big a deal to most of us know somebody um, like we've had one of our executive team who had it and was really, really down for the count for like a couple of weeks. And, and it feels like it's just being, it's just magnifying and, and we know that it is. And we're trying to take our cues from our schools. That's what's a, that's the important thing for us. When the schools are, are going to, you know, whatever they're going to do, we're going to try to go along with that um, because that makes the most sense. And a lot of schools are now closing down and a lot of schools are doing something that we're also going to do, which is they're going to take kind of a, 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 a quarantine, a self-imposed quarantine after the holidays. So, um, so what I'm telling you is we're going to be online only uh, for the next three weeks. We're going to have live services this weekend, and then we won't have live services for at least three weeks. That's what we plan on doing, is taking uh, the week before Thanksgiving, the week after, and then one more week to kind of make sure that everything is, is, is better and come back. Because we really, 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 really want to have Christmas. Okay, we're going to do everything we can. I, I, I think I think that we're, we're, it's going to be easy to underestimate how important Christmas and the hope of Christmas is going to be to people. So we are going to try to do Christmas. Um, we're going to do it with reservations. We're going to do, you know, the, the, the 25% rule and, and masks and all the things that we'll do. And if we have to do 100 services, we will if we can. And so we want to do this now so that we're ready for that. And then uh, after Christmas, we're going to take a couple of weeks and not do live services as well so that we can, you know, we can, we can be ready to roll into the season. And hopefully by that time, we're going to know more about vaccines and all that kind of stuff. So 
next three weeks online only. You're our online audience anyway, then this is of no consequence to you and we love you and, and stay tuned and we'll try to get this thing figured out as it, as it goes. I'll get an email out this week to follow up with you and let you know what's going on, okay? Which just brings me to my you know funny picture. Uh, somebody sent me this week, um, some store had this picture, cookies for Satan instead of cookies for Santa. And the caption is, let's just hope this is a typo and not the season finale of 2020, because that's what it feels like, right? So today we finished the go. So put your best face on, everybody. Pretend you know this song, everybody. Come hang. Let's go out with a bang. Here we go. Psalm 23 is so simple that a little child can memorize it and understand the sheep part, you know, and, and all the shepherd part and all of that good stuff, right? We're going to finish it up today. Let's go out with a bang. But the deal is it's also so rich and so deep that I'm, I'm learning stuff. I've been a Christian all of my life. I have a doctorate in, in ministry. I mean, that's the way the 23rd Psalm is. That's why we're calling it the goat, the greatest of all time. And again, today we're going to go out with a bang. This is the climax, the end of the song. There are really just three ways to end the song, okay? Some songs just kind of end, they just kind of trail off, you know? Like in the 70s and the 80s, that used to be a thing, you know? It's kind of like, well, we're done and we don't have anything else creative, so we'll just turn the volume down and quit, okay? Another way is just to be done, you know, one more chorus and, and we're out, bang, 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 that's it, bye-bye. But some songs build to a huge finish with a big key change and they go for a high note and the drums are kicking in and the singer nails it and drops the mic and walks off the stage. Think uh, for Christmas time, hallelujah chorus, right? Forever and ever, hallelujah, hallelujah. I mean, you just keep going and going and going and it's building up to this big finish. Think Whitney Houston, the bodyguard, you know, I will always love you, right? You've got this great song and then there's a pause and then there's a full measure of rest and then a key change and then and I will dwell in the house of the Lord right I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever hallelujah hallelujah that's the 23rd Psalm boom mic drop bang 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 that's the end it's awesome and yes, I'm sorry, but I think I have mental COVID. So here's the cute version of Psalm 23, and it'll help you just get in the right mood for what we're going to do today. Make me a lie down, green passage. You are your babble. Here, start over. Psalm 23. What is I said? I saw no one. Make me a lie down a green path. So lead me a path likeness for namesake. Yeah, yeah, I walk to the valley, shallow death, and fear no evil. Bow with me. Why does they come to me? Our pearls roll table for me. I really am my enemies. No one is my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Glory, goodness, 
and Murphy and Balmy all days in their life. Well, and the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Amen. All right, let me walk you through it, okay? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. What calms the sheep is not the absence of predators, but the presence of the shepherd, right? It, it, can't, it, it can't just be, there can't be friction in the flock, and, and we have to be full. So stop gazing and start grazing right there, because the L-O-R-D is my personal shepherd. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake, okay? What is that? The right path is the it's about it's about not not about the bad stuff that you're avoiding. It's about the good stuff that you're trying to find. Okay, it's about getting to the good. And we talked about how that involves the right direction and the right decisions and the right routines. And 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 we asked the question, right? How hard does he have to yank on this thing? Okay. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, even though, right? Even though Pastor Todd talked to us about how it's going to probably happen, but just because it's there, don't equate your darkness with his distance, because he's there. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. This is where we took the U-turn, right? Not talking about the shepherd anymore, we're talking to the shepherd, and we said, always stay near the guy with the gun, right? And thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Yes, they are there, but God is honoring us in the middle of it all. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Well, what is that? That's about the honor. That's about the full life that Jesus promised. And then we end with the grand finale. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever, okay? So one simple thought for today, and I've been milling this over the whole time we've been doing it. You get to the end, you want one more thing to remember, right? And this thought today is inspired by one of the great movies in human history, okay? Uh, I mean, it was called Airplane, and Leslie Nielsen is there, and he's talking to Ted Stryker, and he says, can you fly this plane and land it? And Stryker says, surely you can't be serious. And Nielsen says, I am serious, and don't call me Shirley, right? Evidently, I said it so much, my kids bought me a t-shirt one year for Christmas, okay? Don't call me Shirley. Goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Surely you can't be serious. I am serious, and don't call me Shirley. Here's my advice for you this week. Don't forget Shirley. Whatever you do, wherever you go in life, whatever kind of stuff is going on for you right now, all of which is magnified by this resurgence of the virus that's going on and some things shutting back down and wondering how Thanksgiving is going to go, right? I mean, <laughs> the governor of Colorado just limited gatherings, even in your homes, to five people. So I guess evidently you could pick your five favorite or your four favorite relatives to have over for Thanksgiving. I mean, you talk about a kid's table, right? And a grown-up table. Well, you kids have to eat at Aunt Sally's house today and we're going to eat over here. I mean, this is crazy town, okay? Whatever is going on in your life, don't forget Shirley. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There is a reason that Psalm 23 is the greatest of all time. 
And that is because it's outstanding. The reason it's outstanding is because it stands out. See, there's a lot of scripture that isn't really that positive about life. And honestly, I appreciate the honesty. Okay, like, for example, David, King David said in Psalm 88, the guy who wrote this, he said in Psalm 88, I mean, he was off his meds or something. I don't know. He said, darkness is my closest friend. You wonder where that song came from? Hello, darkness, my old friend, right? Side note, if you haven't heard that performed by the disturbed, it is a must, I'm telling you, okay? But David wasn't always in a surely goodness mood, right? Oh, how are you doing today? I'm in a surely goodness mood. No, it's not always there. And don't let it bother you if you don't feel like goodness and mercy right now, because David didn't feel it either. God didn't just fill up the Bible with happy, happy, happy all the time, because that's not real. The Bible is not a kid's show. Okay, it's not Paw Patrol or SpongeBob. It's not Daniel Tiger, where you get a song to solve things every week that sounds like Buddy the Elf trying to sing a singing telegram to his dad because it doesn't make any musical sense whatsoever. That's not what we're doing. All of the Bible characters, even Jesus, are portrayed as normal people with normal emotions. They are honest about the death valleys and the enemies, and they just bring it to God. For example, I want to show you the psalm just before Psalm 23. I'm not going to read the whole thing. That would be 22 if you're good at math. But let me have you understand that David wrote 22 and 23. So here's 22, and it may sound familiar. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. I want, you to, I want you to hear how this plays into Jesus on the cross, um, because that's going to be important. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. I am poured out like water, and my bones are out of joint. David wrote this hundreds of years before Jesus was on the cross. My heart is turned to wax. It is melted within me. Dogs surround me. A pack of villains encircle me. They pierce my hands and my feet. All my bones are on display. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. But you, Lord, do not be far from me. You are my strength. Come quickly to help me. Listen. Does that sound like exactly what Jesus was going through? Absolutely. So when Jesus down from the cross said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Every person there knew what he was doing. He was starting Psalm 22. You got to understand that the rabbis taught the Psalms. I mean, every kid had them memorized. They didn't have Xbox. You know, they didn't have PlayStation. They didn't have iPads. All they did was sit around and read the Bible every day. And they knew the Psalms like you and I knew TV theme show lyrics, man. So all a rabbi had to do was start one of them. And his students would finish it back to him, you know, just sit right back and you'll hear it tell you. And you know how the rest of it goes, right? Flintstones. That's all you got to do. And when Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Everybody had to have a big light bulb moment going off going, oh, we're dividing his garments. They've pierced his hands and his feet. You know, all these things started to make sense. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It was so obvious that Jesus was fulfilling this prophecy that had been issued by David years before. And 
That's a side note. What I'm saying is don't be more discouraged. Don't be discouraged if your reality feels more like Psalm 22 than it does Psalm 23. Can I say that again? Don't be discouraged if your reality right now is, man, there's dogs around me. They pierce. My bones are on display. People are gloating over me. Everything, everything is in a pretty bad place right now, Lord. Dumpster fire is how we're referring to it. If that's where you're at, that's okay. And that is why you can't forget Shirley. Don't forget Shirley, okay? Because we are all going to spend time in Psalm 22, in the valley of the shadow of death. But don't forget Psalm 23. Don't forget Surely goodness and mercy are going to follow me all the days of my life. Listen, as long as we're looking for a way out of the pain and uncertainty of what living is like, we will not know what it means to dwell in God's house forever. But as Psalm 23 shows us, dwelling in God's house does not mean that we get beamed out of our circumstances of pain. Instead, what it means is God is there with us even though, okay, in the presence of my enemies. It is possible, says the psalmist, says David, to experience the gracious presence of God and receive the abundance of life that he promises us in the middle of our darkness. It's not about finding escape and fleeing into the protective arms of my Savior. It's not about seeking asylum in the church. It's a moment when I gain perspective that, that God is indeed with me in the middle of my stuff. Matt Chandler in our small group stuff says it this way to this week. Today we get to look at what I think is the most beautiful idea in all of Scripture. I think it is the point of all Scripture. You see, if you boil down the 66 books of the Bible into a three-word phrase, Matt says, that phrase would be God with us. It's the point of the Bible. We see this in Genesis as God is dwelling in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve before sin is introduced. We see this in the Exodus as God delivers his people out of the bondage of slavery and establishes the tabernacle right in the middle of Israel's encampment. We see this as he fills, as, he, as his presence fills the temple right in the heart of Jerusalem. We see this obviously at Christmas in the incarnation of Jesus where God puts his son into the world, puts flesh on him and he dwells among us, Emmanuel, God with us. We see this in the sending of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost so that now the Holy Spirit dwells in all believers in us. God with us. We see this at the return of Jesus when heaven and earth will be remade and he will dwell with us forever. That's what the whole thing is. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Goodness and mercy. Okay, goodness. Literally, godness. That's, that's what it is. We've watered it down, um, but, but what it meant originally was a shorthand way of saying all the good stuff that God gives us. It's about God's goodness, the, the godness, okay? That's what it is. As a sheep in that pasture, you're just going, man, this is a good gig. I'm not going anywhere because the Lord is my shepherd. That's good, okay? The goodness and mercy. The, the word in Hebrew is chesed. And we've done this before when we talked about marriage because mercy is about a covenant. 
It's about a covenant, a contract that you make with somebody. It's when I do something for you and you do something for me. And as long as we do that, it works out. But a covenant, we made tattoos if you were around at that point that, that had that Hebrew word on it that we wore because a covenant is about mercy. It's about I'm going to love you no matter what. OK, the Bible makes it clear that we all like sheep have gone astray. And each of us has turned to his own way. That is very clear. But instead of allowing us to pay for our own sins, God sent his son, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Goodness is about the heart of God, his faithfulness. Mercy is about how much he loves us, even though we're not good enough. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Will follow, shall follow. That's not deep enough, you guys, okay? Follow sounds kind of like a passive word, right? You know, there's a couple old guys walking in the mall in their walking shoes and their, and their wives are, you know, 10 yards behind and they're talking behind them. That's, that's what follow sounds like to me. It follows like, like the word my mom used to use. She's from Arkansas. She'd say, why are you lollygagging? Have you ever heard that word? Lollygagging. One of my daughters, Daughters asked, asked her one day, she's like, Grandma, what does lollygagging mean? And, and my mom said, oh, you know, it's like pussyfooting. We were like, oh, well, that, that's really helpful. Goodness and mercy are not lollygagging, okay? They're not pussyfooting back behind you. A better translation of this would be, goodness and mercy shall chase me down all the days of my life. Like when we get up in the morning, goodness and mercy are there at our feet. Like when your dog is there, when you first come home, like the toilet paper on the bottom of your shoe coming out of a public restroom, like your cat. They are chasing you. Scholar Ken Bailey gives us an insight as to uh, how this whole thing would have worked for people that understood the shepherd. OK, the local shepherd's job was to, you know, take care of the sheep in the field and lead them back to the place of safety for the night. And as they were heading home, that was actually the most dangerous time of the day because it was the perfect time for a predator, a wolf or a lion or a bear or whatever, to follow along behind. By this time, they know the sheep are there. And as they start to leave, it was a very dangerous time because a predator could come along and pick off the stray sheep in the back, the one in the back, the lollygagger, okay? And the enemy was not just following, but he was actively pursuing. And Jesus says the enemy is actively pursuing to steal, kill, and destroy, right? There are so many negative, threatening things in our lives right now. So many enemies that are, that are chasing us and stalking us. But when the Lord is our shepherd, it's more than the fact that our shepherd is the guy with the gun. That's good all by itself. But better than the absence of predators is the presence of goodness and mercy chasing us down. Not only are there, is there not a, a, a wolf chasing along to get the sheep, there's goodness and mercy chasing along to get the sheep. What, how, how does that happen? If what? If the Lord is my shepherd. Even if he's grabbing you with this thing and trying to keep you on the right path, goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. Yeah, it'll be easier if we're in the green pastures. 
if we're beside the still waters, it won't be so hard for goodness and mercy to find us. Okay. Same thing with the path. Goodness and mercy are already right there on the right path. But no matter what, the Lord is your shepherd and goodness and mercy are going to find you. And this is, again, where Christianity is so different. Okay? We, we've all done plenty of bad things, and we would figure that badness should be following us, not goodness, right? That's karma. That's the definition of karma. Whatever you've done is going to follow you all the days of your life. You do bad things, and those bad things are going to come back on you. And people expect God to be karma. They expect God to be like, okay, well, here comes your badness, all your badness. It's chasing you. But that's not what David says. It's goodness and mercy that are chasing after me. That's the, the best example of the gospel I could give you. And if that's not enough, one more. Let's go out with the bang. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. If you study the life of David, there are a few things that fired up the heart of King David more than the idea of being in the presence of God. He really wanted to build the temple. And God said, you can prepare your son to do it, but you're not going to get to do it. And it was disappointing for him because David was all about the, the house of the Lord. In Psalm 27, he said, one thing I have asked of the Lord and, and all that I seek is that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. Dwell in the house of the Lord forever? Surely you can't be serious. God says, I am serious. And don't forget, surely. You can be assured. You can be absolutely confident. Surely this goodness and mercy is going to follow you, even though you can't see it, even though you don't deserve it. Even when you're hurting, even when you're tired, even when you're looking for the path and can't find it, even when the valley is dark and the enemies are close. In 2 Timothy, Paul says that even when we are faithless, God is faithful. Chesed, mercy. There's no scenario in life, no set of circumstances, no trouble, no tragedy, no problem where God will not follow you with his character of goodness and mercy all the days of your life, and you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. If you know me, you know that my theme chapter from the Bible is Luke 15. I believe God called me to ministry, called me to do what I do, because I'm supposed to be about helping the lost ones get back in. And Luke 15 is, there's three stories in Luke 15. There's a woman who loses a coin and does everything she can to find it. There's a man whose son runs away. That's our prodigal son story. That's our theme story. That's, that's our vision statement as a church is that we're going to help the prodigal turn around and come home. And there's the sheep story. God is the shepherd and he's got a hundred sheep and one of them gets away. Now a hundred sheep would have been a really big herd. Most shepherds didn't have that many. So, so this was kind of magnifying this whole process. And one of them gets lost and, and he goes and he leaves the 99 and he goes to find the one lost sheep. I mean, it's only, 
you know, 1% of his flock, but he'd go because that's his priority. And the other sheep, they're out there in the field going, hey, where'd the guy with the stick go? I, I don't know where he went. But, but, but God will stop at nothing, so he goes and finds them. Suppose one of you, Jesus says, has 100 sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home and calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. Goodness and mercy finally caught up to my lost sheep and they will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's why Jesus could say in the gospel of John, I am the good shepherd. I lay down my life for my sheep. I will stop at nothing to chase you down. I will chase you with my goodness and my mercy, and you will dwell in my house if it kills me. And it did. God, I just thank you so much for this psalm. It, it, really, it really is the greatest. And I thank you for the stories I'm hearing of how much it meant to other people. And I can tell you right now, you know how much it's meant to me. In the middle of our valleys, in the middle of our enemies, in the middle of the dumpster fire that we're in, to know that you are with us, your rod and your staff, they comfort us to know that, that, that surely goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our life and we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's the hope that we need. If there are people right now who've been running away from the goodness and the mercy, will you help them in their heart just to turn around like the prodigal son did and head back home and say, Jesus, I'm, you don't have to chase me anymore. I'm here. It's in your name we pray. Amen. It's been so good to worship and learn about the Bible together. Don't forget to share Parkview on the go with a family member or a friend so they can be encouraged too. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you his peace. Have a great day.